This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Leadership. There are so many definitions about what is a leader, so many characteristics and aspects of being a leader. What are the most important though? What are the essential traits of an effective leader in your opinion? And what is the most underrated yet critical aspect of leadership that most people dismiss? Well, these and other questions around the critical topic of what does an effective leader look like form the basis of my conversation with author and speaker Tommy Spalding. Tommy has written three New York Times bestsellers and is a regular speaker and trainer on the topic of leadership. But most of all, Tommy is a good friend and a mentor. I know you're going to really enjoy listening to Tommy today. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Well, hey, it's so great to have my good friend Tommy Spalding on the show. Tommy, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. It's my honor, Rob. Well, hey, so I am excited to have you talk all about leadership. For my listeners, I'd say you really have dedicated your life to help leaders. I know you spend a lot of time investing in nonprofit leaders specifically. You've been a nonprofit leader yourself. And you're really, I I know because we've had so many great conversations and lunches, you really want every leader to be an effective leader. So let's start out by, let's maybe just define some things. What is a leader in your opinion? How would you define a leader? Rob, so honored to be on your show. I believe there's two types of leaders in the whole world. And I've dedicated my entire life to the, to the subject of leadership, particularly servant leadership. And I've written three New York Times bestselling books on leadership. So that's my, my space. And I believe the two types of leaders in the world are heart-led servant leaders, those that wake up every morning and want to serve others, serve their spouses, their children, their family their donors, their constituents, their employees, you know, they want to serve others. And then the second type of leader is more of a self-serving leader, you know, leaders that's, you know, serve themselves. And it doesn't make a self-serving leader a jerk. It just makes them a, a self-serving leader. They, they need to take care of themselves first. And so in my opinion, the definition of a true leader is someone that humbly and, and, and authentically puts others before themselves. And that's what a leader is, I believe. Yeah. Love that. No, well said. And as I was talking at the outset, my listeners by and large, from what I can tell, are leaders in the nonprofit world, either paid staff or volunteer staff or serve on the board. So maybe you could talk specifically about how the leaders that are listening to this podcast, how can they lead their staff the best that they possibly can? What's the most effective way to build healthy team dynamics on one's team? Yeah. What a, what, a, what a powerful question. And, it, and, and there's not really a, a short answer, but whether you run a, a nonprofit or for-profit or, or a ministry, leading people is all about loving people. And sometimes we get so bogged down in the weeds of managing and, and, and the day-to-day tasks of, of holding people accountable and getting you know, a mission accomplished that we really forget to build an authentic relationship with the people that we're leading. 
And I think if I was going to, to add to that question in a short answer, I would say the best way to lead people is to find a way to learn their story, spend quality time with them, learn, you know, learn about them, let them see your humble, genuine, authentic, vulnerable side, build a, build a relationship with them because people don't work for organizations. People don't work for missions. No matter how amazing your mission is, they work for people. And people fire when you when 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 people leave organizations, they they fire their bosses. And the reason why they don't leave missions, right? They they fire their bosses. And nine times out of ten, when someone leaves an organization, is because they fire their boss. And so the best way not to get fired is to build an authentic, genuine, heartfelt relationship with the people that you lead. Yeah. Well said. No, I like that. That's a great perspective on that. At the end of the day, it's people, leading people. And so you're right on. Now you, that you actually brought up a good point, you know, there's along the way in leadership, there's always challenges, there's barriers. As we think about the barriers that we can face when it comes to growing as a leader, what have you seen in your experience are the biggest barriers to becoming a more effective leader? What have, what have you seen in your experience? Yeah. Well, not to get deep on the first five minutes of your, of your show. <laughs> no, it's good. Let's do it. But, but after, so this is like my 35th year of like being a full-time student a full-time, you know, you know, teacher of of leadership. And I'm finally starting to figure it out, Rob. Like what what what's the barrier? Like what why why are there so many you know, self-serving leaders? Why is there so many egotistical, arrogant, narcissistic, you know, me, me, me types of leaders? And I used to think because there's bad leaders and good leaders. And I, I think I I I exactly I'm I was wrong. Not bad leaders and good leaders. There's there's broken leaders, right? Uh, and I believe that you can't truly lead people. You can't truly live a life of servant leadership and, and live a life of being a heart-led leader to make a huge impact in the lives of others unless you love yourself. You can't love others until you love yourself. You can't serve others until you're able to serve yourself. And, and what that really means is to really truly believe in who you are in Christ, to believe who you are as a human being, to believe in, and love yourself, flaws and all. And when you love yourself, flaws and all, then your heart is full. Then, Rob, you don't need the attention, the recognition, right? The credit, the corner office, the, the bonus, you know, you know, me, me, me. And you see all these leaders that 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 still crave this, pointing the finger to themselves, it's all about me, 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 is because they're broken. They haven't had that healed heart. And the best way you could become a great leader is to work on yourself and to truly find a way to love who you are, accept who you are, flaws and all. So then you can wake up every morning and serve your husband, your wife, your children, your employees, your donors, your constituents, your friends, and serve, generally serve people. Yeah. Oh, that well said. Thank you for that. That is a huge issue, isn't it? We've, in other podcast guests I've had, we've talked about self-leadership. Really being the most important aspect of leadership is leading yourself. Because if you lead yourself well, then you can lead others well. And so, well said. I appreciate your passion in that. Now, one of those things, you know, when it comes to recognizing our barriers, facing our challenges as a leader, we may be tempted to seek quick fixes. So I'm curious, like along the way with all your different experience, working with leaders, your own experience being a leader, have you experienced those quick fixes we try to make that really, at best, they don't really work. At worst, they actually create more problems. Kind of getting back to what you were saying, if you can't, don't love yourself, you're not going to love others and and your leadership is going to display that. How have you seen leaders try to make quick fixes to overcome these barriers, which actually creates more problems down the road? 
Yeah. So a quick fix would be like, okay, I read a book. I listened to a podcast. I've got inspired to become a great leader. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull my team in and have a team meeting and say, okay, guys, here's where we're going to go. And like, like literally think that it's, it's a speech or a talk that you're going to deliver. And then all of a sudden you're going to lead a different way. No, if you, if if you're inspired by this message of this podcast or read a book or, you know, you know, hear something in a way that, that humbles you and that you want to become a better leader then keep quiet and work on yourself and, and, and show your, show you this change of who you are through your actions. And so what happens is your employees, your donors, your, your board members, you know, your constituents, they start saying, Hey, what's, what's going on with Rob? Man, like, I, I don't know, but like the way he's been like just leading lately and the way he's been behaving and totally serving, pushing in the chairs and picking up the pizza boxes. And, and I got a beautiful handwritten note from him. And he's just thanking people like, like over and over and over and over. And it's these small little things, then one little pep talk, like, okay, I got leadership down. Let me have a little staff meeting and talk about it. No, leadership is not talking about it. It's, it's showing people you love them through your actions, not through your words. Well, I like that. That's really good. So it's really those decisions, those almost like micro decisions every day that really add up over time that people see are very genuine rather than trying to read a book or, or make one decision today and then hope to be this great leader. Rob, I'm pulling something right here. If you see, this is, what's this right here? Do you see this? Yeah, it's your, it looks like a letterhead for a note card. It's a tiny little letterhead. Okay. I'm Spalding at top and it says Gift of Influence at the bottom, which is the name of my, my last book. I have a thing where I mail 20 of these things a day. Five days, it's 100, 100 a week. And I, this is not for everybody. It's totally not for everybody. But someone, would, if you would say to me, oh, Tommy Spalding, he's... He's probably got the greatest network of friends and relationships in the world that I know. And he's got authentic relationships in the world that I know. He wrote a book on building authentic relationships. He, he's the leadership expert on building these types of relationships. How do you do it? And I say, do I do it? I, I buy a roll of stamps every week. I get a roll of stamps. I grew up where my mom never went to college until I graduated. So my grandparents cut hair for a living and my dad inner city school teacher. So we had no money. And so to throw things out is not what I'm about, right? And so every week I buy a roll of stamps. How many stamps are in a roll, Rob? A hundred. And at the end of the week, if I don't use all hundred stamps, I throw out the, the stamps. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I don't like doing that. Right. Right. Because the way I was raised, if you throw out good stamps is, is not a good, but I'll throw them out. So I'm disciplined every day. I send 20 cards. Wow. I love it. I love it. I've been doing that for 25 years. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world that have gotten a letter from me. And, they, they, and it's, just, it's just my thing. So when you meet somebody, someone does something nice for you, a donor does something great, an employee does something great, you know, don't text it. Don't email it. That, that doesn't have the power of a handwritten card saying, Rob, I really, really appreciate being on your podcast. I love the questions. I love how you poured into your people, like, like heartfelt something and mail it. And when you get something in the mail like this, you, you save it. You, you love it. Anyone writes a handwritten note to me, I use as bookmarks for my books because I love that someone took the time to, to write something down. You want to build authentic relationships? Get off email, get off texting. Start writing handwritten notes about how much you love and care about people and find the great in people. And, write notes about people and 
share what you think about them in a positive way, you're going to have a huge following if you do that. Love it. Well said. Well said. Thank you. I love that discipline of you doing it and that personal touch. You know, it's so true. You know, as we become more and more high tech in our world, whether it be email, smartphones, et cetera, the high touch touches like a handwritten note become even more powerful. You're absolutely right. hundred percent. So well said. Okay. Now we'll talk a little bit about funding. And one of the big temptations I found with nonprofit leaders specifically, they're very based on you know funding, right? When you have the opportunity to go chase some money, so to speak, for someone who's dangling up money, if we go do this program or if we go do this program, even though it's away from our current mission as a nonprofit, I know a lot of leaders are tempted to go after that money because their nonprofits typically are always looking for more support, more financial support for their uh, organization. How have you trained or how have you learned to train and encourage leaders to stay focused on the mission and then to lead your entire team to more of a mission alignment in order to avoid mission drift, whether it be chasing money or just even doing things that really aren't the mission of the organization. How have you helped leaders stay mission focused? Yeah. When I was in seventh grade, I took a class called shop and the first half of the semester was wood shop. Oh yeah. I got to like a little bird. I remember wood shop. Sure. Totally. Yeah, and then the second half of the of shop was was metal metal working, and learning how to like you know weld and and you know cut metal and build you know make make something out of metal, and I never forget what the metal shop teacher said the first day of class, just treat everything in the class and every piece of metal you pick up treat it as it's going to be hot, and then you never get yourself burned. Uh, so picking up a hot piece of metal, you 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 get thirty reburns right, and and it's not good. So if you just treat that everything that you're going to be picking up in class, if you treat it, if it's going to be hot and you're cautious, then you never get burned. I think that's how I'm going to answer your question is that if you go, if you ever, if you chase money, you're going to get burned. And I think the best way for a nonprofit leader to, 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 to learn this is to go chase money and to go take money or funding for a program that's not in your core mission. And you do it because you need the money to make payroll. And you only have to do that once to realize what a mistake that is. <laughs> right. Okay. So learn and, from experience, basically. Yeah. Yes. Like, and the big funders, they want to give money to two things, right? Because there's a thousand great mission programs. Like there's so many made. I can name, I can literally do a rap song and name like a hundred missions, like off the top of my head that I just learned about this month. There's, there's so many out there. So how, why would they give to you? They give two things. One is the relationship. By far, they have an authentic, genuine relationship with you. They know who you are. You know who they are. You know their story. You built the, the relationship. And then the second is that you are totally intentional and focused and disciplined on your core mission. And you never, ever, ever waver. Donors love that. You can't be bought. You can't be skewed. You can't be moved. You are so laser focused. This is my mission. And this is what we're going to do. And if you can fund it, great. If you can't, God bless you. And those are the, those are the, those are the funders that, that you want, that the ones that give to that. And um, it just takes one time getting burned, picking up that hot piece of metal. That you never <laughs> want. You'll never forget that one. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Well, again, love that story. It's a great, actually a great analogy and a great example. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? 
Look no further than DonorBox, the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is DonorBox.org. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. I wanted to let you know that I've recently become a professionally certified coach. With my nearly 30 years of nonprofit experience, I know firsthand how hard leaders work. I also know how important it is to have someone you can call on to get help with the barriers and leadership challenges you will face both professionally and personally. I really want people to thrive and become all they were meant to become by providing coaching and consulting services. If coaching is something you've always been interested in, but weren't quite sure what it was all about, I encourage you to reach out. You can go to my website, robharder.com, or just email me at rob at robharder.com. I would be happy to provide a free sample coaching session so you can determine if coaching is for you. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Okay, let's move on to some other effective like skill sets, I believe, and traits of an effective leader. One of the things I think is so important is effective communication. It, to me, it's a critical skill that leaders do need to develop. In fact, as I think about you, Tommy, I think that's one of your number one gifts. You're a great communicator in person. You're a great communicator on stage. You can communicate through a podcast, you know, obviously through writing, through your books. Communication is critical. And I found when people ask you, know, what are some of the most important traits of a good leader? It's right at the very top of the list is effective communication. Now, having said that, when I've talked to different people, particularly young leaders that are trying to you know, grow as a leader, they may think, well, I've got to be the most extroverted person on staff, or I have to be the most high energy person on the team. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, right? Clearly, to communicate, it can take different forms, but you do have to be an effective communicator. So maybe you could talk about that. How have you honed your own communication skills? And what would you encourage a leader who's really trying to expand and get better at that? How would you define what effective communication looks like? Mm. You know what's interesting? I, I think if I answer that question 20 years ago, it would be completely different how I answer it today. Okay, all right. Because Rob, you and I are very gifted communicators. I've always been a great communicator, so have you. And a lot of times, great leaders you know, and organizations are great communicators, right? They conspire, they, they, you know, they, they can communicate, they can walk in a room and share a message. But what I've actually learned after coaching leaders for the last 30, 35 years is that the great communicators actually have to work twice as hard by being trusted by leaders and by their, by their people that follow them. So talk about because, that. Yeah. Why is that? Because like, you know, a lot of great communicators are, are fake. A lot of communicators are kind of self-agenda or they're a fraud. You know, I, a lot of people, you know, ask me, how do you speak to t- tens of thousands of people and get on stage and, and go, and next time you hear me speak, count how many uhs and ums and like, I'm not a polished speaker. I don't want to be a polished speaker. And I've had a lot of leadership coaches say, man, Tommy, man, if you just cleaned up your speaking and got rid of the ums or uh, I go, no, thank you. That, that's what makes you raw feel. And I think, the quiet, humble leaders are the ones that are really leading well in today's world. Like my wife is one of the, Jill, as you know, is more the quiet servant leader, doesn't need the attention, doesn't need the recognition, and you know, walks into a room and doesn't need to have the, have the floor and, and speak and be the life of the party. 
those are the ones that authentically are trusted and people want to follow those types of people. So if you are like me or you, Rob, that you're, you know, great personality and a great communicator and, and, you know, engaging personality, I think we actually have a harder work to do to earn the trust of people because people don't really trust smooth operators and people that are great communicators like you and I have to learn to shut up and listen and only communicate when necessary and use our actions as the best way of communicating versus our tongue. That's interesting. So people that are naturally good communicators or have gotten good at it actually have to work harder to earn that trust. That's fascinating. I really like that approach. Because you're right, people do always think in the back of their mind, right? Okay, what is this person's angle? They've had experiences where there's been people in authority positions that are frauds, like you said. And that's, I like that. I think you're right on with that. That's really good insight. Okay, now the other thing I found is the ability to deal with conflict in an effective way and really resolve conflict on any team is really important. And, you know, you've been a part of teams, you've led teams. Anytime you get more than one or two humans in a room, you're going to have conflict eventually, right? Whether it be in a marriage or in a friendship or certainly in in an organization. And if you're growing an organization, if you're scaling your organization right now, you're going to have a lot of conflict. It just comes with the territory. So how have you found the ability to manage and navigate effectively when it comes to conflict? How do teams do that well? How do leaders do that well? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'll give an analogy. There's a book out called Grit. And this author really talks about one of the things that's going wrong with all the helicopter mom uh, parenting and, and helicopter dad is that we don't want our kids to, to make mistakes and scuff their knees and, and do anything, you know, until we do everything for them. And then they graduate in high school and they go into the world and they really struggle because they've never learned failure, never had grit and never had that. And and so when I raised my uh, raising kids, you you know I I encourage my kids to fail and to scuff their knees and to learn that muscle of 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 grit and not be a helicopter dad and helicopter mom. The analogy of that is that you know with leading teams, we're kind of taught that 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 conflict is bad. Like you want to avoid you're here avoid conflict. Conflict is bad. You don't want conflict. And if you read Pat Lencioni's book Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which I think is a top five leadership book of all time. Next, good the great Jim Collins, Pat Lance's book Five Dysfunctions of a Team is fantastic. He talks about how conflict is good because when you have conflict, that's when you're you're challenging, you're growing, and you're and you're having debate of healthy things to actually to, to further a mission. What's most important is to have the trust behind the conflict. Like Rob, if you called me up and you just gave me some really big feedback and say, "Listen, I've been reading, I've been." watching you and you, the way you've been behaving, a couple of things you did, like, like, I just got to call you on it. I would like, I would so welcome it because I trust you and I would welcome your feedback. And so first of all, conflict is awesome because organizations that break healthy conflict grow, but you got to build the trust and to build the trust, you have got to build the relationship. And the problem with leaders is we're so fast. We're so busy. We have a thousand miles an hour and we forget to slow down and to build authentic relationships with the people that we lead and to build the trust with them. And once we have trust, we could do anything and we can have healthy conflict. And um, that's, that's important. All right, good. Let's talk about change and, and being a positive catalyst for change in an organization. You know, when it comes to an executive director or CEO of an organization, 
being that catalyst for positive change is so important. What have you found to be the most effective ways? We've talked about a lot of different aspects of leadership, but we think of specifically someone who's a positive catalyst for change. Change is uncomfortable for people, right? People don't like change in general. And yet often the key leader of an organization, again, executive director, CEO, typically that's one of their roles, right? They see what's ahead. They already see three years in advance, perhaps, where they're, they're leading the organization. They know there's going to have to be change that happens to the organization in order to continue to grow and serve more people and impact more people. How can they do that as positively as possible, knowing there'll be resistance to that change, right? But still navigate successfully with their team to bring about the change that's needed. What, what have you found that's been most successful for leaders? Yeah. Uh, anytime I want to have a change management conversation, I just get on the chalkboard or the whiteboard and I write Nokia, Blackberry. Oh, good. Blockbuster, Circuit City, Sears. Yes. JP Penny. I mean, the list goes on and on. You just kind of write these things down and say, these are all amazing organizations and companies. Kodak. I mean, I can just go on and on and on. Uh, Toys R Us, Babies R Us. I mean, like, it's like, Hundreds of amazing brands have just closed, um, and it's because of lack of change, lack of vision. To, you know the change, and you got to have that. But with your permission, Rob, I'd like to answer that question in a different way. Instead of just change, change management, I want to talk about that the power of leaders changing people's lives. I, I think that is our biggest legacy as being leaders is not just leading people. And not just leading organizations, but to have uh, an influence on the lives of others. Because at the end of the day, influence is not a part of leadership. Influence is leadership. No one's ever going to say, I love the way Rob bossed me or fathered me or, or, or husbanded me or, or, or friended me. No, Rob had a huge influence in my life. On my life. People are going to remember, how, not how you led them. People remember the influence you had in your life. And I wrote a book called The Gift of Influence that came out last year. And I spent the last few years really studying influence. And here's what I learned, Rob, that the average human being on the planet influences 80,000 people in their life. Wow. The average human being on the planet influences 80,000 people in their life. How do you get that? Is 80,000 people divided by 77 years, which is the average life expectancy of a human being on the planet. And you divide that by 365 days, you get 2.8 people a day. So massive research have been behind this topic that the average human being on the planet meets 2.8 people a day. I went to Starbucks this morning, Martha, the burrito, uh, an Uber tonight. I got to go to dinner. I'm going to take an Uber. Like a new employee, a new neighbor. I, like every, every day, we meet 2.8 new people a day from the time we're born to the time we die. Okay, 2.8 people a day times 365 days of a year, times 77 years of your life is 80,000 people. That's amazing. That's a lot. You have to influence 80,000 people. And I think that's a lot of people. And you can either influence them good or bad, right? Good or bad. And that's the thing. Influence goes both ways. You can have a positive influence on the lives of others or a negative one. And I post in my book, and what I like to pose on your podcast is, is what would it be like? At the end of our life, at the end of our lives, right before we're about to die, right before we're about to go home to our maker, we got to meet, you know, all 80,000 of the people that we met. Like how cool that would be. Like, like all 80,000 people, all 2.8 people a day for 
for 365 days, for 77 years, like your entire life, everyone you've ever met in your life all got together to say goodbye. Like, first of all, where would they fit? They fit in a football stadium. They fit in a football stadium. Like the average football stadium is about 78,000. There's actually 37 football stadiums in the United States with exactly 80,000 seats. So you, you pick your football stadium, but the, the end of our lives, go to your football stadium. Uh, this, you're walking on the 50-yard line. You're about to die. You're just moments away from dying. And everyone you met in your entire life is in that stadium to say goodbye. And the question is, what's the sound of that stadium? What's the sound? That's your legacy. That's, our, that's the dash in between the two dates of our life is our legacy is 80. Every human being that we've ever, ever interacted with, all 2.8 people a day that God puts in our life, what's the sound of that stadium? Are they just giving you a stand ovation? Are they just chanting your name? Because you, you lived a life of servanthood. You gave, you loved, you served. Or are they booing? Are they cursing your name because you've just been a jerk your whole life? <laughs> or right. worse, yeah. worse is the stadium silent. 80,000 people just silent because they're not screaming or yelling because they don't know you because you've had your phone in your hands and you've been looking down at your phone your whole life and not looking up to the person right in front of you. And our legacy is that stadium. Oh, that's a great image. What a powerful image to think of you on the 50-yard line, right? At the end of your life with 80,000 people around you. And what is the sound? That is a really, really good question. Yeah, thanks yeah. for posing that question. I'll be in your stadium, Rob. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I'll be in your stadium. We'll be in each other's stadium. Well, one last question and maybe to close out is, what do you think has been one of the things that you've learned over the years when it comes to aspects of leadership or traits of leadership that is the most underrated that people don't really talk about, but that you have found has been really one of the most important aspects of leadership. What is that underrated trait and or characteristic? Oh, that you would I'm so glad you asked this because I, I wish I could spend an hour talking about this. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Okay. I'm so passionate about this, but I absolutely think of the thousands and hundreds of qualities that leaders need to have. I've written three books on leadership, but I probably mentioned hundreds of qualities that we all need to have. The one that's the most underrated, the one that's the most powerful quality to have is, is humility. I think humility is underrated and the most powerful quality of leadership. People love following people that are humble. For example, as an author and as somebody that, that speaks and writes for a living, gets on stage and teaches every day. They tell you about the two types of authors or two types of speakers, and then we'll we'll dive this back into the question. Yeah. Let me tell you how how smart I am. And I've been pretty successful and I've made millions of dollars and I've gotten three New York Times bestselling books. And and if you listen closely, you could be as smart and wise as me. That's speaker leader A. Let me tell you about speaker leader B. Life's been messy. And I'm not perfect. And I've made a lot of mistakes. And I've just surrounded myself with incredible mentors that have loved me for who I am and have guided me and made me become the husband and the father and the leader that I am today. And I would love to share some stories of some of these mentors and what they taught me and how it humbled me to become a better person and how all the mistakes I've made made me stronger and better because of these people that invested in me. I'd love you to listen to these stories. Which one do you want to listen? Speaker, author A, or 
speaker, author B? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Yeah, B for sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. But 99% of people in my industry are A. Let me tell you how smart I am. Let me tell you how rich I am, how successful. And if you listen closely, but that's my that's my business, speaking and writing. But what's your business? Leading a mission, leading a church, leading a, a nonprofit, whatever you're doing. But if you come across, I know all the answers. I'm your leader because I got the resume, I got the schooling, and I got the this and I got the that. People don't care about where you went to college. I mean, care about what your GPA was and your how many Ivy League schools. People care about your heart. Right? They care about if you're genuine, if you're authentic, and if you're humble. Because if you're humble, you're always willing to listen. You're always willing to admit that you're wrong. I mean, th- these words are so beautiful. The leaders, they say to their people, I'm sorry. I messed up. I made a mistake. I don't know the answer. You know, I was wrong. Like these words were often never said 10, 20, 30 years ago by leaders because the command and control was I'm in charge. I never make mistakes. I'm feared. And now the most successful leaders in the world are the ones that say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I don't have all the answers. I need you on this team to help guide us. Like that's what, you know, humility brings. And Donors love humility. Love it. Well said. I could not agree with you more. I've often talked about leadership is listening or good leadership is someone who listens. And if you listen, typically that shows humility. And so I couldn't agree with you more. Humility, a humble leader is the one you want to follow, right? I've seen that in my own experience. So very good. Well, this has been so fun to get your insights and your leadership experience. For people that are listening that maybe don't know too much about you yet, they want to learn more about you, though, after this podcast, where would you send them? Is there a website or how can they get to know you a little bit and also maybe find out more about your three books that you've published? Yeah, thanks for asking, Rob. I'm Tommy Spaulding, and that's uh, S-P-A-U. There's a U in there, S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G. So TommySpaulding.com is a website, all the information about my books and my teachings and retreats and leadership stuff's all on there. And my email, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I love hearing from people. And that's Tommy at TommySpalding.com. Perfect. Well, again, Tommy, thanks for taking time. Great to see you, my friend. But also just thanks for all you're doing. You are influencing more than 80,000 people because of the work that uh, you've been put in and what you're doing with it. Thank you for how you're helping us all become better leaders. Yeah, I love you, Rob. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Right back at you. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business.